0: welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast, this is Amaz, I'm here with B Pimp. We are talking about episode 157. B Pimp, what's up with you?
1: I'm pretty, I'm pretty B Pumped to talk about our history of, uh, of bouncing, our shared history as bouncers.
0: This is going to be a fun podcast. We, uh, we were both bouncers way back in the day in Chicago. For mm-hmm. me for me it was a shorter stint than you I was really only a bouncer all of maybe four or five months if even from the tail end of two thousand and seven to the first few months of two thousand and eight and uh what what was your you had a couple of different bars too
1: yeah i worked. I was a bouncer at three different bars and probably for I wonder what the total, I don't even know what the total amount of time is. It it was definitely a few years.
0: Yeah. I remember. End of college and a few years after. You were at Trinity and Elbow Room. What am I forgetting?
1: Well, I worked for a short, yeah, I worked at one of the lodge bars for like a very short, like one or
0: two nights. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, at the original mother's. Uh, if folks are in Chicago. That strip of bars on division, half of them at least, are owned by Lodge Management, which I don't really have anything against the company itself, but all the bars like just kind of suck for various different reasons. It's called uh, the Viagra Triangle, which yeah, is gross. like it is kind of a tourist destination, but really only like people from Indiana, maybe <laughs> Michigan, little Wisconsin, like not far yeah uh and they're just they're just dumpy bars but they're not cheap no it's it's like the worst of all worlds yeah Yeah. it's
1: expensive and like they're trying to have an atmosphere of like oh this is an exclusive club but it's like a dive bar it's like a big dive bar
0: we had a cover on weekends
1: which is absurd to me i i there's a dive bar by my house in streamwood illinois that has a cover on the weekends for 10 bucks and i'm like you guys are insane yeah there's no way you should be charging money
0: (laughs) there is out of the lodge management bar i this i'm pretty sure this one is lodge. am i forgetting i think it is i think the only good one was the hang up oh yeah the one that like people genuinely liked and was like actually a decent dance club yeah i don't know if it still is that way but yeah the one i mean you have the lodge which is the flagship i guess mothers was known they tried to lean into the fact that they were in a movie in the eighties or something. I don't even remember what movie it was. Yeah. That's a, but, uh good memories. There's a
1: lot we've, we've alluded to them over time on this podcast many times, but never
0: d- d- done a deep dive on some of our cancer yeah. experiences. So that's why I'm excited. So we'll get into that. This is actually going to be, I think this is the first time we've done this, a joint top five list oh yeah uh so it'll be fun to go through that before we do though pim- what well, whiskey do you got
1: we have a very special whiskey because um as uh a birthday gift lisa gave me this little whiskey ticket that i could redeem when we went on our arizona trip mm. um for one whiskey of my choice and i went to we found a store in um scottsdale that had like an extensive selection and this guy um had just gotten in some new ones from nevada and the one i picked is fry ranch you can see here kind of a nice bottle um i drink like that bottle quite a lot yeah it's really cool it's got sonic colors too which you should oh yeah love um, it's a hundred proof rye. It was, I left the price cause we do like to talk about that. It's a $66 bottle. So it's an upper middle class. It's not a fancy insane price, but it's a good solid,
0: you know, yeah, upper that, middle class whiskey. At that price. You don't want to be disappointed.
1: Exactly. Um, but I did, I looked at a lot of the options. I was looking for something that was in the Southwest that I wouldn't be able to get around here, which I've never seen the, in the Midwest. Um, I had, there was a high West whiskey that I've done a couple times. I did their rye and I did another one of theirs on our on a previous episodes. And I was looking for another version of that, but they didn't have any. Um, so this, I thought would be a good, uh, a good one to pick. And you can see, actually, if I cl- hold this closer, look will get that little logo at the FR with like a little cityscape. kind of a cool inlay. Like
0: that. Yeah.
1: Very nice all around. I hope the the um, the whiskey stands up to the bottle because the bottle pretty nice.
0: Bottle is nice. The price is, you know, what the price is. So I, I, I hope it is good. You know, low key as you are are getting into it a little more. I mentioned it before we started recording, but I think Fallon, Nevada is like one of the worst towns I've ever been to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully this is like the positive for Fallon Nevada. (laughs) Yeah, they make a great rye. It does say it's distilled from 100% slow grown winter rye, Ooh, which I don't know. It sounds good to me. I don't know what that means, but
0: I wonder if I they grow it around there. Cause I mean, it, it's uh you don't always think of Nevada this way, but the further North you get in Nevada, like it's quite cold in the winter.
1: Yeah. It seems like that's what they're doing with this one. It also has um, the bottle number on it, which is 5,985. Okay. Good number. No, that is a great number. Ooh. And it's got the same logo I showed you on top of the bottle on the cork it's a very heavy
0: duty, like brass bottle. It is, they did a nice job with the bottle. I will give them all the credit in the world for that. I've never talked
1: as much about a bottle or I even tasted what was in it.
0: Yeah. I'm curious as if it, uh, curious to see if it lives up to the hype.
1: All right. So we got it poured. I got my, um, classical, uh drinking glass here with the, on the
0: rocks. Looks very nice.
1: The nice. Darker caramel, which I would expect with a rye. The smell, you know, ryes bring it with
0: the spiciness. The smell isn't as spice-forward as I expected. A little got
1: a little sweetness
0: in it. Hmm, interesting. Which I I like. I do feel like we've had a couple ryes lately that brought some spiciness, but not that much spiciness. I'm curious to see where this is.
1: It might be that slow-grown winter Nevada rye. Yeah. I'm gonna take a sip. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You can tell, um, I have to say right off the bat, I don't want to give away anything, but I got, if I'm going to spend 60, well, thank you, Lisa. Lisa's going to spend $66 (laughs) on a bottle of whiskey for me. Um, there's something I want to like hit me right off the bat with that price point. I want that quality to come through. And I know like I taste it. Okay. This is something Beyond just like a normal good whiskey. And it has that because for a rye, normally the good rye I've had, like few stands out, the Chicago Rye, um, mm-hmm. distillery that makes a good rye. Theirs is, it has the spiciness really prominent, but it works. This one starts with like a buttery smooth Ooh. taste and then it kicks into a little spiciness in the finish. And then it also has another finish of sweetness after that. Like multi layered, double finish. Yes. Wow. That was the first, first reaction, just one sip, But I mean, I got a lot of stuff going on, which is good. Like that's what I would want for something like this, where I don't know. Everything seemed to be cheaper on our trip. So I mean, $66 at that liquor store, maybe around here would have been like 80. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So you got to think of it in that arena. That's like still sub 100, but like, that's a nice, that's not something you're just going to buy every day.
0: No, Exactly. Uh, I like that it has a lot of, uh, different things going on. A lot of complexity.
1: I'm taking another sip here. It does. It's the same experience I had on the first sip. really nice finish to it. That is not overwhelming. Um, which is good because it's a hundred proof. It's not a super strong rye. Sometimes they can get above that where it's like a 55, 60% alcohol almost. And this one's kind of like right at the standard, I think for a rye but it's got such a nice there's such a nice mix of like the spiciness of a rye and the like coating and warming feeling of a good just like a like a good irish whiskey has that a good bourbon has that just like a good bourbon finish mm-hmm. i would say so i gotta i mean i only took two sips but there's no doubt this is a smooth
0: train 100%. all right you know as you started talking about the first sip, I was a little concerned you were actually going to give it the boot because you almost started it with a qualifier of saying like, if this is going to be $66, it's got to do this. And I thought you were about to say, and that's not doing it, but it, you it turned did. Around on me. Totally. Yeah. It. No, it did. Well, Cause sometimes it's sometimes it's not, it takes longer to realize it, but that was just right off the bat. I could tell good quality. Uh, I'm glad for it because with the nice whiskey, a nice rye like that, that, that means you have the rest of that bottle to enjoy. That's
1: going to be another safe, save it for some special occasion whiskey.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. What's the name again? It's fry ranch. F R E Y Fry ranch by far the greatest thing ever to come out of Fallon, Nevada, go get yourself a bottle. If you're in the area.
1: Yeah. If you, can, if you can get fry ranch near you, I would suggest checking it out. Especially this rye.
0: Nice. Uh, all right, let's jump into talking about bouncing. I, I don't know what you find when I have current friends or coworkers who f- like sometimes in meetings, we'll do icebreakers or something like that. And one of them's like, what's the worst, well, what's like the worst job you've ever had or the dumbest job you've ever had. And if I bring this up, people are genuinely surprised I've ever been a bouncer at a bar. I get the same thing. Yeah. And I I always say I wasn't a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I wanted actually I wanted to talk about this before we get into the list. Like we're neither one of us is a big muscle head. We're both tall and we're and I at the time I was a lot heavier. So I had that like larger figure, I guess, which helps if you're going to be at the door. But we were not like the stereotypical like muscle bound guy. We were kind of like low key, you know use our personality to kind of keep everybody cool like that's our that was our
0: approach i feel like well and to be fair and to give us credit like as a bouncer you should take that approach yeah oh yeah 100 percent. like you don't want to heighten situations only the worst bouncers would do something like that you make friends with the biggest guy that comes in that night and
1: then if anything goes down he's on your side that's one rule Mm -hmm. and then the other rule is just be nice to everybody because then
0: they're not going to be a dick yeah uh no, I agree with that uh, like for me, it was i think what was tough about working at mother's well two things: one, as a bouncer, I was always outside, yeah, and I basically worked throughout the winter, so from November December through I think April or something like that, March or April, and uh it was a cold winter and I'd be outside for like eight, nine hours at a time. So that was miserable, but it also meant I was wearing a lot of clothes. So I don't know if it just made me look bigger. (laughs) Uh, but I had like huge jackets on. So, I mean, that's, that's how I like made it through that. Uh, but that to me was the very toughest thing was just being in the cold every day and there were a couple of days that were just like negative two degrees yeah it's pretty brutal having to be outside especially do you have a favorite place that you worked between the elbow room trinity and uh a couple of the, the other lodge places that you were at elbow room yeah
1: for sure it was a cool it was like the best there were some lame parts i'll get into that probably when we talk actually my stories aren't really about elbow room but um it was the cool, You know, Matt, that was, like, the guy that hired oh, yeah. me, Dave, the owner. Like, we played there a lot. You played there a ton. We did whisk, uh, Ruffles there. They were great. We talked about it before, like, a great bar to have as a place to call, like, a home base, kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And that, it was the same feeling when working there.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, that as a, a music venue and not really a bar. Right, is, right. Like, I think that's reasonable to say you were less a bouncer than like a doorman.
1: Right. We still, we did have, I had to like throw people around a couple of times there, but not mm-hmm. like there was no big crazy fights or anything. It was just people would get a little too, too out of control drunk and you'd have to get them out of there. But that was it. But yeah, for the most part, it was a chill, especially being like where it was. Like it wasn't really on a main strip, um, with a bunch of other bars. It was kind of like you had to be going there to go there unless you
0: lived in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, So that helped you a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think what surprised me about working at Mothers is that it was, as we called it earlier, the Viagra Triangle. There were a lot of bars, like it was just a whole street of bars. And what they would do on the weekends is actually at a certain hour, they would often close the road to, to car traffic. Oh, okay. And so... I'm actually glad they did that, but it it would turn like the whole street into like a bit of a drunken shit show sometimes. Yeah, and there would definitely be fights. I remember—I don't know if this would count as an honorable mention, but I just thought it was so funny. Like this—this one tiny kind of older woman, like, was pretty drunk. There were often cops just like in the street. I think there usually was like a cop car just around uh uh and more like a drunk tank, actually. It was just like a, a van. Paddy wagon. Um, paddy wagon, thank you. Um and so I remember one cop was like laughing at her because she was being kind of ridiculous. And she just straight up slapped him across the face. And at that point he he got really aggressive and arrested her. But uh, it it was the slap heard down the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, But there are a lot of moments like that on that strip. Not uh, You would not get that kind of thing like regularly at the elbow room.
1: No, and they also, there was issues with like kind of the dress code. Do you remember some of the shady, I don't know if I'm spoiling anything that you're going to talk about, but like, they had some shady racist bullshit going on. To be honest oh, yeah. with you, <laughs> honestly, it
0: wasn't in my stories, so I like, I I probably would have forgotten to talk about it. But but the the place that where I worked, mothers did have a dress code that was definitely just like geared toward trying not to have black people come to the bar, and it was, uh, I think it was no Timberlands. Yes, yeah, specifically called out right i remember i
1: think what else I, i'm like not it was, it was it was certain types of coats it was like no athletic jerseys no it was like jewelry stuff they would mention it was very clear that what they yeah. were
0: doing uh which was ridiculous it was racist they got i think a couple years after i worked there they got sued for it yeah which they deserve that no 100 percent. yeah um and like i remember a specific night there that it was one of only like two fights. I think I ever had to, like actual fights that I had to break up there. And it was, it was like a group of three or four white guys who started it against maybe like three black guys. And one of the white guys was like, so drunk, I think, I, I don't know. So like, I feel like breaking up a drunk fight is not the hardest thing. No, because uh, I remember get I was get them distracted. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do remember, um, and I don't know if it's because they don't really want to fight or they're they're just not that coordinated or what it is. But I do remember this this guy. I, I was actually coming up behind him, but he was leaning. He was like cocking back his fist to punch the person in front of him, and I just wrapped my arm over his shoulder. Yes, before he did it, and it was he was like surprisingly submissive. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. I think drag him out of there.
1: No, I think people just get fired up. They're too drunk. And then they start Mm -hmm. getting hot. And then as soon as that happens, you just like jarred them back into, Oh, this is a real decision I just made. Like you just kind of take them as the sober person working the door. You just take them out of that for a minute. Like that's what you're doing basically.
0: But anyway, going back to this like half story, it was very clear. The white guy's, at the bar start of the fight, but at the end of it, our manager came out and just kicked everybody out. I was like, these other guys, these black guys, they didn't do anything at all. Uh, but it didn't matter. It's ridiculous. Yeah. All that's to say, it, that was a crazy strip of bars. I would never choose to go there. And, uh, I can't not recommend that area of Chicago enough. I a
1: hundred percent agree. I, yeah, I wasn't there as much as you were. I worked there briefly and I went there a couple other times for other random things. And I was always just like, can I get out of here? Like, this is awful.
0: Why is anybody here? I don't understand. Yeah. That strip on Halstead where Trinity was, and we used to like live around there. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, was definitely not as crazy. But what I do remember about that was, uh, I remember it was right outside of Trinity, too, or like right between Trinity and the Hidden Shamrock, which were like next to each other. Uh I do remember walking up and just seeing a woman in a very short skirt just squat and pee on the sidewalk.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's
0: like, go for it. I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I love Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love it. Anything else about your experience that you just want to give some context of before we jump into the top five list?
1: Um, I genuinely loved working as a bouncer. I thought it was great. Um, I on, I have said this before, half joking, but I think it's kind of true. If it if it paid enough and there was benefits, I probably would have just kept doing it because it was it was fun. It was it was good. I mean, I I would I don't know about the schedule long term because I used to be up frequently until like four or five in the morning just mm-hmm. to let the adrenaline wear off. Um, and I don't know about that long term, but I mean, as far as like having getting paid to do something, it's a very entertaining and fun
0: job. Yeah, I would say the pay made it not acceptable as work. I think I was making like eight fifty an hour. It's yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, I didn't love the bar, but like if it was a bar that I liked and I had enough hours and it paid. Okay. I don't disagree with you, mm-hmm. but I, I would not, the, the, I didn't enjoy the job, but it was also very character building.
1: Yes, that is, I learned a lot doing that job, just about how to deal with people and like seeing things that I know now, like, I don't want to look like that in public.
0: Like you just learn a lot about how to, how to deal with people. I don't know about how it was for you at Trinity or elbow room, but the only thing we would get for free was Red Bull. Oh wow. And so I, I would be freezing cold. And I also think it was just like one of the unhealthiest times of my life too, because I would have like an eight hour shift where all I had was three Red Bull and like half a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Like like, we were not living healthy in that. No, that was bad. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the top five. Again, we are doing a a joint top five. So there's not going to be any double dips, although our, our number one is shared. Uh, but these are our top five bouncer experiences more than four, less than six. It's the top five. All right. My number five was actually, it's funny. It's not even like a, a particularly interesting memory, but it, to me, it struck me as very funny because it was just a total misjudge by the management corporation that, that lodged that like over saw, you know, eight or nine of the bars that were on division there. And, you know, again, I, I worked there from the tail end of 2007 to the first few months of 2008. And that included Mardi Gras. And usually Mardi Gras is hopefully everybody knows, is, is fat Tuesday. So it's always on a Tuesday. And I generally only worked weekends, I would sometimes work like occasional weekdays if somebody was out. But a lot of times I only work like two or three days a week, uh, except they were sure Fat Tuesday was going to be crazy. Uh, and so they had everybody coming on Tuesday. They shut down the street. They got all these people. They got like this guy who was juggling on a unicycle to come through. There was a bunch of like randomly hired people in fancy costumes. And even though Chicago is like pretty Catholic. No one showed up. It was a very normal Tuesday, which would be not a good day for the bars. And no one cared at all. And I thought it was the amount of prep that they did this and the anticipation that they had was so like funny that it was such a horrible misjudge of the situation. All that's to say it was one of my favorite nights of work because I got there at seven or whatever and left at 10. (laughs) <laughs> they're like, we do not need you here. <laughs> Did you get any money? I mean, I got like, I probably just got the three hours of work. Which oh, you I'm got sure a paycheck, right? $25. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was it was also just I was happy that that was the situation, too, because I was gearing up for like, wow, we're talking about this Mardi Gras. Like, It's going to be crazy. I don't want to deal with all this drunkenness on a Tuesday. And nothing happened. No one was there. That's legit, though, because you do. I, I I recall I did have to get amped up. I would sit in my
1: car and listen to like Pantera before I would work because I just knew, you never know, you never know what you're going to experience. Like, you never know what's going to happen. And actually, I'll throw in a little mini story because uh, I don't have this in, in my list. But the, the opposite of what you just described, there was a Tuesday night at Elbow Room. This band was coming from. Frequently, the way Alvaro booked music, they would have four or five bands every night during the week, and usually some of them were traveling, so they didn't have anybody show up. So Mm -hmm. I knew this band was from Maryland, and I was like, oh, it's Tuesday night, it's a band from Maryland, it's going to be slow and easy. And this band had brought everybody, everybody in that band knew their family, they had 100 people come and pay a cover on a Tuesday. And they were just in a line around the corner of (laughs) Alvaro. And i was like are you fucking kidding me i I went from like oh this is another tuesday to jesus christ this is gonna be a mess and it was just the same
0: yeah uh no that could definitely i mean i i would think there would be like a lot of variability and just never quite knowing the band's draw like you would assume but then there are surprises
1: we would have nights where we'd have no paid covers wow no (laughs) paid covers for four or five bands yeah huh
0: yeah. Well, that, that makes me feel less bad about the nights that we didn't do particularly well as a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. What's your number four?
1: My number four is from when I worked at Trinity. Um, Trinity was, as we talked about a little bit, it was uh it was near where we lived um, in Lincoln Park. Um, it's like Halstead and Diversity intersection. There's a big Guitar Center and Home Depot over there, and there was Trinity and Hidden Shamrock kind of next to each other, which were both kind of like bro-y irish pub places that would like have music and you played a lot of shows earlier in college before i worked at trinity we had gone to hidden Chamber quite a bit
0: yeah um, they had an open mic there that I, I liked a lot hosted by brad and joey yeah joey yeah. from Elba room Uncle yeah, joey, joey from Elba room and then brad norman moved out to uh la And was in
1: some commercials
0: some uh, fidelity Commercials, I think. Were his I think big. Fidelity. I'm trying to think what else he was in. I'm like blanking right now, but he was in a few different things. He was in a progressive commercial. Yeah,
1: he had. They had a funny band, My Little po- Your Little Ponies. Yeah, Your Little Ponies. Very funny band. Um, that was a that was great. I actually liked in Shamrock more than Trinity. Um, so did I. Quite. A I bit. wasn't going to mention
0: it until you did. Yeah. You worked at Trinity, but I did like in Shamrock better.
1: So I basically worked at Trinity because I I needed money and I we lived there literally around the corner. And we went there one night and I just walked up to the bartender and said, Hey, are you hiring? And she hired me on the spot. That was it. That was just a random lucky thing. I was a big, big goofy white guy and she hired me. But anyway, so this was in 2008. Um, We had a a rough crowd at Trinity because they had very cheap shot deals, um, Mm -hmm. which is a bad recipe. If you're trying to have like a decent crowd. So some nights it would just get, it would just get rowdy in that place. And one night uh, there was a group of Cubs fans who were very aggressive. And then one guy in a socks jacket who was just there literally trying to drink and hang out and not doing anything. Um, oh god! And the group of Cubs fans were just not leaving him alone. And I kept monitoring it. And I just was like, the guy seemed fine the Sox fan. He wasn't like freaking out or anything. He was just like trying to ignore him. But eventually, uh, you remember Trinity. So the layout was, I was at the front door. It was a very long, narrow bar. They had, as you got about 25 feet in past the main bar, you could either go upstairs to a second level or downstairs to a basement bar. And he went up the stairs to the top level and just tried to avoid them. Um, but they, the Cubs fans just kept bothering him. And then, uh, he the, eventually the Cubs fans were bothering him enough that he came up to me at the door and he was like, Hey man, these guys just are being assholes and like, won't leave me alone. And he was like, not trying to get in a fight. Um, so he, so what I told him was, I was like, so what do you want to do? Do you want to like hang out and I can just keep an eye on it? And if they like, won't leave you alone, I can kick them out or whatever. And he was like, no, I'm going to, um, he's like, I want to get out of here, but he's like, it seems like they're not going to let me just leave. He's like, he was like concerned, so what I did and I could see them, they were watching him talk to me um, up on the top level and they were just trying to see what he was going to do. So I said, why don't you um, like come with me to the front door? Um, and then as soon as we started walking to the front door, these Cubs fans like quickly followed. So I told them like, I'm going to go out the door and I was much heavier at the time. So I was like, I'm going to go out the door and be talking to you. And I'm just going to turn my body and you could just go down Hallstead and turn the corner really quick. And they won't know where you went. yeah i was like i'm just gonna create a human shield for you and that's exactly what we did and it worked perfectly i walked out the door he took off down halstead and those dumb cubs fans just walked behind us and they were like where'd that guy go i was like i don't know what you're talking about that was it i was so proud of myself for using my
0: fatness to my benefit (laughs) that's amazing but also just like what is their problem
1: they were just it was the constant issue of working there it was they were just drunk angry annoyed 20 or 23 year old douchebags yeah. that was it
0: really uh no i do love that story uh i think for me number three would be i alluded to it before, but it was i mentioned how we worked outdoors it was unhealthy we tried to stay warm uh and one of the weekends and i'm gonna just mix things together here because this is again 15 years ago and my memory is like not that good to begin with but i think both nights it got to negative two degrees and something like negative 20 wind chill and it was so freezing to have to be out there and a couple of things that we had to do and especially we had to do it this weekend was we had friday nights would be like ladies night which would just mean that they would not have a cover and everybody else had a five dollar cover which is a pretty low cover it's crazy that we had a cover in the first place uh so we were trying to get people in we it was like our most aggressive like offering free test tube shots to come in i don't even know what the shots were i'm sure they were disgusting uh the amount of hawking that we had to do for that job in total like i didn't love but especially that weekend to try to get the freezing cold temperatures, people to come in was ridiculous. And the other funny thing about that night and going through the freezing cold was that one of the bouncers, we all had to wear earpieces, which was also very annoying and something that like I had a tough time getting used to but one of the guys who had worked there a while would always like put his finger on his ear. If, if the manager or somebody was saying something like come to the front of the bar, cause there's a fight or whatever the case is like mothers is actually, it's a pretty big bar. So yeah. that no way you could see everything all at once. Right. And, uh, he kept pressing his finger in to try to hear better. And toward the end of the night had to take himself to the hospital to get the earpiece removed because he couldn't do it oh my
1: god! <laughs> oh my gosh
0: so that was like a, a f- hilarious end to like a terrible and like freezing weekend and all i remember uh, especially at the second night was walking to the bus stop and trying to like kind of squat or sit down a little bit and my knees were just like quivering as I was trying to do it because I was so cold and I was standing so stiffly for so long. Yeah. Uh, but that I feel like, I I think that was like mid January, maybe of 2008. Uh, I'd have to like, I'd almost have to look at a weather report to actually see what the exact times were, but it was awful, cold, but hilarious situations.
1: How did this, we didn't mention this yet, but this plays into it. Like this was also near where the smoking ban went into effect in Chicago.
0: Yeah, I, it was New Year's two thousand seven into two thousand eight. Yeah, when that ban went into place, so I I worked at Mother's for I don't know at least a month or a month and a half before it went into effect, and it was a very noticeable difference. Like first of all, staff still smoked in there, like when we were finishing up. But, oh yeah, um, that happened at Elbow Room too. But like you could see. Like, again, I mentioned like mother's is like two pretty big rooms more or less. And I think when smoking was allowed in there, like you couldn't really see the other end of the bar Yeah. and then suddenly you could, and it was so different. Uh, but it was also, I think, I don't know if you found this to be the case too, like from a doorman perspective, when the smoking ban did go into effect, it was pretty annoying to have to say to people smoking outside, like buddy, you gotta be 15 feet. Yep, And especially with that strip of bars, it's almost, it was almost like technically hard to be 15 feet from any entrance.
1: Yeah. They're all packed together. And it was also yeah. annoying because it, it, it added to the, str- the one of the most stressful things for me, especially that elbow room is when we would do stamps, when people would pay the covers. And mm-hmm. if people were smoking, that meant there was a lot more people going in and out and you just always had to keep track of like, it was the, like, you'd have regulars where it's like, I always know who that is. But then you had to keep track of like, who is this person? That's why I always do this to this day. Like if I'm at a bar with a bouncer, I just say hi and make it obvious who I am. So that like, it helps them just like, you don't have to have a long conversation. Just be like, Hey, what's going on or something. And that helps them like put a voice at least to the face because it's hard to keep track of all that shit.
0: Yeah. Uh, All right. What is your number two?
1: My number two is actually pretty crazy. It was definitely the nuttiest thing that I was involved with. I think, um, other than when Elbow room flooded and I stayed until six, like sweeping water out of the basement with Dave, huh. um, which was gross. But so this was at Trinity again, cause we had a crazy crowd. I could have actually probably done like, I have actually have more weird Trinity stories cause it was just a shitty, it's like a shit show in that place. Honestly. <laughs> um, but so I had a Saturday night shift, and we were open till um, three a.m. on Saturday, so that means the last call is two thirty. Uh, so it was like two fifteen, and it was it was kind of emptying out, but we had maybe like 15, 20 people kind of that were already kind of made their way to the front of the bar, um, which is all we really wanted. We didn't want anyone in the basement or in like the top level at that point because people started cleaning and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I noticed I was the only bouncer um, that night. Or no, actually, I, I take that back. we had one other guy with us, but he was like helping the cleaning crew and stuff. So I was kind of by myself trying to get the crowd out. Um, and I noticed there was two guys and a girl that were, if you remember, all the way at the back of the top level where the kitchen doors were, like at the furthest mm-hmm. corner of that back bar, um, they were just standing there in the back, two guys and one girl. And it was kind of like two guys. I hate to say it, but just from my experience doing this, they looked like douchey bros and i was like they're probably not going to be cool so i was like all right i'm going to see if they just like eventually make their way it looked like they had full drinks and they were just sitting there with them um so i kind of kept distracting myself like getting everything else going i i kept checking back in on them and as two thirty got closer i'm like they haven't done anything they haven't finished their drinks they haven't moved whatever so I went up there and I was like, Hey guys, like you don't have to leave right now, but I need you to at least like go towards the front and like start working on your drinks. Cause I'm going to have to take them. Cause we literally, it's a Chicago law, like at two 30, we're supposed to be empty. So like, yeah. we're already giving you leeway to like get out of here and finish your drink that you paid for. Um, so I kind of was like being nice, but like letting them know, like I don't have really much more room here for you. And then um, went back again, did one more thing, came back. They still hadn't done anything. So I finally was like, you know, I'm sorry, we got to go right now. And I know one of the guys was being extra douchey and he was like, um, giving me more attitude. So he started kind of like, he, he started walking forward a little bit, but you could tell he wasn't going to like actually leave, which is what I wanted. Yeah. So I kind of grabbed his arm a little bit and started walking him towards the, the stairs going down to the main level. And as we got close to the, we had just gotten like brand new flat screen TVs at that time. And there was one right at that landing. As we got close to it, he took his full drink in a heavy glass and, like, cocked his arm back like he was about to throw it at the TV. And I caught it out of the corner of my eye and, like, did the same thing you were talking about. I, like, closed his arm down, so he dropped his drink. And then in the same move as I did that, I put him in a headlock and just walked him really fast all the way up to the front door. We had, like, this huge wooden door. Uh, on the front and I just used his head to open it (laughs) (laughs) Fell out into the Hallstead like fell into a car that was parked right outside and then it was not a
0: wide sidewalk
1: no it was very narrow um just like fell right into a car and then he came back at me and the guy that I was working with finally saw this and like ran out and tried to grab him but he basically like as he was falling ripped my shirt my polo shirt in half and his like hand caught my watch and broke my watch all in one Uh. (laughs) spot So then I was pissed because he, he was already pissing me off. And then he like broke my watch and my shirt. So I, I took a couple swings at him. I kind of like gla- like grazed him because he was moving around a lot. And then he, once that happened, he just like ran down the middle of Halstead. Like through the intersection of Halstead and Diversity, just Jeez. ran down the street. And then I had to go back in. And I don't know if you remember, but Kelly was bartending, the blonde girl that was like very low key and chill. And she, in my persona as a bouncer, I was like never getting in fights or like raising my voice. I was always just able to manage everything. And so she had called the cops immediately when she saw this happen. Mm -hmm. So a cop shows up and he was like, he saw my shirt ripped and like my watch or whatever asked me what happened. I'm like, yeah, this guy was just being an asshole. And now he's gone. And he's like, well, then why am I here? And he's just got back in his car and took off. (laughs) Oh
0: God, that is such a Chicago cop response.
1: Yeah, but it was insane. And then I I was so hot and like angry about that, that I just walked back in. I was like, everybody get the fuck out of here. And everybody just like put their drinks down and just like walked out of the
0: bar. <laughs> I'm sick of it. So Like I, we had one night like that where we just closed a little bit early because there was some kind of fight. And at some point you're like, it's over. Yeah. This is Get it. Out. You've blown your chance. People like you had yeah. a
1: chance to like live as humans and have a drink, but you, you've ruined it. Granted it was probably partially our fault. Cause we had $2, you know, jameson shots are some bullshit that got people fucked up but yeah what are you gonna do Ugh,
0: people the worst mm-hmm. um all right i think let's talk about uh, number one which we thought could be like a a joint one because it was saturday saint patrick's day saturday Yeah, which is a big deal in chicago yeah it gets nuts yeah so for us at mother's and Mother's is a 4 a.m. bar, which means it's open till 5 a.m. on Saturdays, which was horrible. Uh, but we opened, I think we opened at 8 or 9 a.m. And basically, we had to have all hands on deck. So everybody worked from about 8 or 9 a.m. until 5 a.m. So 20-hour uh, shift. 20-hour shift. I got half an hour off in the middle because there is a little bit of a lull that happens probably kind of like mid afternoon where people are like tired of their morning slash midday drinking and go take a nap or something and then come back out for the night. So there like was definitely a lull between maybe about four or 5.00 PM to six or 7.00 PM. Uh, before it picked up again, I, I remember getting like half an hour there to just get Chipotle or something like that. Right. But, hellishly long day were you you were at trinity at that point yeah mm-hmm. and we had like
1: just a uh, trinity especially being a shitty knockoff irish pub like it was just a siren call for like everybody who wanted to get shitty and get like a obscene drink deal would descend upon trinity that day so it was it was awful we had like shamrock and stamps
0: what kind of did you guys do a cover for that We day. usually did not.
1: We usually did not do a cover. I think we actually might've for St. Patrick's day. That was like a wristband deal where yeah. you
0: had to buy the wristband. I think we, I'm trying to remember exactly what the deal was like again, normally on weekends we did do like a $5 cover, but it was, it was upped a little bit for St. Patrick's day. And I believe twice that night, I might be conflating stories. It might've just been one that night and one, some other night, but, uh, the door crew and we were definitely a crew was flashed by women at least twice, I think, to get a free cover and like ethical question for you. Maybe like when that happens, you just let them in. Right. Cause at that point you're like, well, what am I going to do?
1: Yeah. Cause I think you have to, because if I say no, then that means I'm putting a value on your boobs. Yeah. I, and it's I don't less know. than the cover.
0: And I really can't do that to a person. And also like, just as a doorman, I don't care. No, I also, yeah. yeah, I'm not getting any of that. Like, so go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You just As long as you're not too drunk. And like, that was the other thing with, uh, mothers. I actually, I think one of the toughest things about mothers is you did have to pay attention to how drunk that person was, because if it was a basement bar, the first thing they did was go down a flight of stairs and if you let in somebody that was too drunk you would know it immediately because they would fall down that flight of stairs
1: the tough that i honestly overall the toughest part about being a bouncer is is that because there's people that drink a lot that can hold their booze and then it goes from like tolerable to a mess quickly and it's hard you have to learn over time like to pay attention to certain things and just figure out how to gauge mother's has to be even more hard because like the, i feel like the people that want to go to mother's they've already been
0: drinking at four other bars. Oh yeah, for sure. No, there's, there was like a lot of darkness there and you, you had to be very careful about letting people in
1: the Trinity, the night we're talking about for this story is when I walked in on the, the gross sex happening in that bathroom at Trinity. Oh, I forgot there about was, that. There was a, a couple that decided to go in the bathroom, the big bathroom we had on the main level, not lock the door, but stay in there for a long time and have sex on the counter. It was disgusting. I was the one who had to open the door to see what was going on because people are like, complaining. Like, seems like somebody's in there, but we don't know. <laughs> and I was like, I'll check. And I opened it. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ.
0: I'm never right, going right. to. What did you do? Did you just wait? The- hey, get the- out of there. And I closed the door. <laughs> and they did.
1: I was like, are you? What is wrong with you? Oh, God. This is disgusting. I'm like, I sometimes help clean this bathroom. It's not that clean.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't do a good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day in Chicago is a freaking mess. I mean, it was definitely a mess on Halstead. It's definitely a mess on division. I don't think anywhere is it a bigger mess than Wrigleyville.
1: No, but also the Southside Irish parade is twice as bad.
0: Yeah. I mean, to the point where they've like canceled it for several years.
1: It's truly like, so if you want to get a look at what levels humanity can, can lower themselves. to, you go to the Church. Yeah.
0: See the truest depths of who we are. Yeah. What I do remember is at the end of a long shift, like us meeting up, going to golden nugget, having our favorite Russian waitress there.
1: Well, that uh, was that night we, we both got off. Cause I, we were open later for sure. So I think I had like somehow, Took me longer to get home or something. We like met at the corner basically.
0: Yeah. and to go there. Got got cheeseburgers, chilies, had our, you know, forty or fifty year old Russian waitress give us lessons on life. She always and, did. Yeah. And I just feel like that was I it, it was the longest shift of work I've ever had, definitely. And just like exhausting. But and then you can't perfect end.
1: It was not perfect done because I need I could have eaten three of those meals because I was so hungry at that point. But like, also, it's weird because I don't think I could have gone to bed until eight or nine, and it's like the blaring morning sun at that point. But it's like your adrenaline—you can't just like turn that switch off. No. Even when I I kept working at bars on the north side and would like drive to my parents' house when I was living there, and even with like an hour drive, it's not enough to like wear off and like go to bed. You have to take more time. That's why that job—that's like one of the things that's hard to
0: do with that job is just how late you have to be out exactly if you could end it and fall asleep immediately especially if it was like a 2 a.m bar then that would be one thing but mm-hmm. it's really hard to do that
1: but yeah i remember like we wa- golden nugget never tasted better and then walk outside it's like the morning and it's like okay we're two minutes from our apartment and now it's time to go to bed i guess like it's just yeah.
0: a weird weird feeling definitely definitely uh but it was nice to take a trip down nostalgia lane. Oh yeah. And, uh, we'll have those memories forever. Yeah. they help, Like we said before, they helped
1: me learn how to be a decent, more decent human being and that group. Perfect. But
0: yeah, cause you really decent. like their character building job. You see all types of people and some at their worst. Like, I kind of understood the idea behind Prohibition when I had that job.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I was, like, eh.
1: I was watching the Prohibition documentary on PBS and I was like, well, you know, they're framing this as like, it was bad, but I've seen some shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's not, might, let's give it another go. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, folks at home, bouncers out there, bouncers out there, give us your weirdest, crappiest, awesomest, funniest stories. You can hit us up whiskey sessions music at gmail.com that's your email address we'll read your emails on a future episode but we got to get your emails for this episode so let's do it these are your emails you sent us emails to read emails and now we'll read them be pimp what we got in the old email inbox i got an unsigned short and sweet why doesn't depaul have any fond march madness memories too soon way too soon you don't have to like stick the knife in and twist it.
1: We also made fun of ourselves in that episode as DePaul. I mean, you don't have, like, we already did it.
0: You don't, we don't need it. Thanks. We know they're bad, but at least they're blue demons and they have a cool logo, right? They do, and next year, they're winning it all. That's right. You heard it here first. (laughs) Bet all your money on it. (laughs) Yeah, all of it. Uh, All right, I got an email that says, hi, dudes, how's it going? I've got what I feel like is a million-dollar idea, but maybe it's really a $2 million idea. Whiskey filled tater tots from the outside. They look like your normal tot, but inside a burst of Seagram's that pairs perfectly with the fried crispy potato shell. What do you think? Let's do it. This is from uh Eunice and Telluride, Colorado. I mean, every so often a great
1: idea comes along and I feel like this is not one of them, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is definitely
0: one of them. Okay.
1: The only thing that can make tater tots better is whiskey. I mean, it's yeah, really-
0: just. I like the idea of just you think it's a crispy tater tot and it's just a mouthful of whiskey with soaked potato. <laughs> Slightly brown tater tot. <laughs> yeah. I mean on the potato theme they should be doing it with vodka, I think, instead. Uh huh. Yeah. Nice Russian vodka. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that makes a little bit more sense. But I also don't even know the practicality of trying to cook these things.
1: Yeah, there's got to be some kind of like syringe technology that they would use to
0: inject whiskey in later. Yeah, well, maybe it could work. I don't want to crush a good idea.
1: I feel like we, this could be our first branded content. Yes, we sponsor this and then make them and then advertise them on our
0: own podcast. I'm for it. We need some. We need some advertisers, and this might be it. Yeah, whiskey tots. Yes. Uh, all right, folks at home, if you got a three million dollar idea that you want to send our way, again, that's whiskey sessions music at gmail dot com. We will read your email on a future episode. But that's it for our nostalgia doorman bouncing episode. B pimp, you got any words of wisdom to leave our listeners with? If you're gonna get in a fight, take it outside. Take it outside, and like, not right in the entrance of the bar either. Like, take it somewhere else. By the smokers. Yeah, exactly. Alright, until next time, this is AMS. Sam peace out. And be pinsayed. See you later.